0: Today on The Matt Wall Show, a father's Twitter thread about his, quote, trans daughter accidentally reveals the awful truth about the trans phenomenon among children. Also, five headlines, including major revelations in the Derek Chauvin trial, has reasonable doubt already been established? And a video that proves that our dystopian future is upon us as we speak. Plus, an Easter-themed cancellation and much more today on The Matt Wall Show. A few days ago, I hope you celebrated because our country celebrated a Trans Day of Visibility is what it's called. The Trans Day of Visibility. This was supposed to be a time to focus on trans people, celebrate trans people, talk about the bravery and beauty of trans people. In other words, it was a day just like every other day. Our experience with the Trans Day of Visibility is like Bill Murray's experience with Groundhog's Day. It repeats forever. Nothing changes. It never ends. Indeed, there's there's never been a group as fractionally tiny as the trans population and yet so visible. There, there's never been a community so small and yet so accommodated by society. For the sake of trans people, we've changed the English language, thrown out the rules of grammar, passed laws, effectively abolished women's sports, tossed biological science into the wood chipper. Come to think of it, there has never been a population of any size, majority or minority that's been given those sorts of considerations. Most of all, we've never seen such a concerted and effective effort to purposefully increase the size of a particular population. There are 10 times as many trans identifying people in Generation Z as there are in older generations, and that figure is no accident. It's also not the organic result of people simply feeling more free to live in their authentic identities, live their truths, now that society is allegedly more open and tolerant than it was in the past. No, this is rather the result of programming. Children are initiated into the left's gender theory religion, and one Twitter thread meant to commemorate our trans day of visibility perfectly demonstrates how this works. So it's worth looking at. The thread from a podcaster named Jesse Thorne has been liked and retweeted thousands of times by leftists who insist that it's heartfelt, beautiful, of course stunning, In it, Jesse explains how he and his wife, who hosts her own podcast, by the way, appropriately titled One Bad Mother. Those are her words. That's her podcast title, not mine. But he explains how they first discovered that their son was a girl. Uh, The left tells us that this is a perfect explanation of the trans phenomenon among kids. And I completely agree, actually. So here's the story as he tells it. Okay. He says, quote, I'm the parent of a trans kid. I want to clarify what that means as best I can, because a lot of folks don't know or make incorrect presumptions. Happy hashtag trans day of visibility. My daughter is nine. When she was born, we assumed she was a boy, gave her a boy name, called her he. We gave her all kinds of toys. She generally preferred the ones our culture associates with boys, like building toys, trucks, and robots. She hated getting haircuts and always wanted her hair long, like my wife's but we just figured kids hate haircuts. She loved the Jungle Book, especially the part where Baloo, the bear, dresses up in a hula skirt. But what kid doesn't love that? When she started kindergarten, my wife was bathing her. Hopefully it's not the first time the child was bathed, but uh, we'll we'll, we'll get past that. An adult friend of ours had just come out as trans, and my wife mentioned that not all girls have vaginas and not all boys have penises. Our Our daughter asked, some girls have penises? My wife said yes whether you're a boy or a girl, wasn't about your private parts. I'm a girl with a penis, my daughter said. All of a sudden, all these things that had confused us about her when she was younger made sense. We went to learn about gender and kids. I mean, I'm from San Francisco, grew up with a trans neighbor. My wife went to Sarah Lawrence. We were open, but pretty ignorant. Well, on that last point, I must agree. As for the rest, uh, I, I still am not ready to accept that so many people can read all of that, what I just read to you and come away thinking, yes, well clearly that child was really a girl all along. This proves it. It is possible that half of the country has literally gone insane, but I think it's more likely that lots of people pretend for political and social reasons to accept and agree with what they know is irrational and indefensible. That's one of the things that makes this subject so frustrating is that when you're arguing with people It's a very good chance that the person you're arguing with knows that you're right, but won't admit it. Let's review the process by which Jesse and his wife, Teresa, came to the conclusion that their little boy had a little girl trapped inside him. He said, and this is, this is the story that he tells. It's not me being reductive or anything like that. This is his story. He says that his son enjoyed playing with trucks and robots. So far, so normal. He also hated getting his hair cut. In my experience with my two sons, This is also quite normal. I've never known a young boy who likes getting his haircuts. I didn't like getting a haircut when I was a young boy. I don't don't think any boys like getting their haircuts. Uh, The boy enjoyed the film The Jungle Book. Again, my own sons can relate. I liked The Jungle Book too when I was a kid. But he was especially fascinated with the scene where Baloo the bear wears a hula skirt and dances around. Well, what child isn't fascinated with a dancing bear in a hula skirt? Now, even if it were possible for a male child to, in some sense, be a girl, which it's not, how could any of this be sufficient evidence to support that conclusion? This doesn't pass the smell test even if we accept the fantastically delusional premise that boys can theoretically be girls and vice versa. In no universe, this universe or the fantasy land that the left pretends we inhabit, is this boy's behavior indicative of anything other than A normal boy who has normal boy-like interests. Yes, the boy said that he's a girl with a penis. But he only said that after his mother told him that some girls have penises. If you tell a five-year-old boy that some dragons are three and a half feet tall and look a lot like five-year-old boys, he's almost certain to inform you that he is just such a dragon. What a coincidence. Kids are highly suggestible. They have underdeveloped brains. They have an underdeveloped sense of the world and reality. They can't distinguish between fact and fiction. A child at five can't be meaningfully accused of telling a lie because he doesn't fully understand the difference between a lie and the truth. You know, recently I came into the kitchen and I found a broken glass on the floor. Um, and, uh, and, and I asked my, my four-year-old, who was closest by, if he broke it. And over the course of the brief interrogation, he told me that he did break it, that he didn't break it. That it was already broken, that his brother broke it, and that the dog broke it. We don't have a dog. He he, he doesn't have enough of a grasp on reality to deceive me effectively because he's just a small child. And everything that he says, every claim that he makes should be understood in that context. Jesse doesn't have a grasp on this basic fact of child psychology or has chosen to ignore it. Now, he goes on through the lengthy uh, thread to describe uh, how his son socially transitioned, quote-unquote, in kindergarten. Now at the age of nine, Jesse is thinking about what sorts of drugs he wants to put the child on. He also goes into detail about the Herculean efforts needed to protect his boy's parentally imposed delusions. This is what he writes. We still had to and have to be on guard at all times. Uh, every Every new care situation, camp, sports, babysitter, friends, parents, had to get a briefing. We had to check every room for jerks because being misgendered or forced to explain yourself is traumatic for a young child. We basically had to be the professional trainers for every set of grown-ups that entered our kids' lives. It was and remains exhausting. I can only imagine what it's like for adult trans and gender non-conforming people. Now, Jesse doesn't stop to consider why an allegedly authentic identity should require so much work to preserve. If his son is a girl, why does every adult in his vicinity need to be prepped on the proper ways to address him and act around him. My daughter, real daughter, actual girl, doesn't need me to give a speech to every person she comes across. I I don't need to explain to anyone that she's a girl. I don't need to make any effort at all to maintain her in her girl identity. That's because there's a difference between my daughter and his. The difference is that my daughter is a daughter. The rest of the thread is a, is a disturbing, as disturbing and diluted as what we've already reviewed. But there was one brief moment of clarity, lucidity. Jesse wrote, quote, anyway, she told us her new name, Grace. Actually, she initially said Greece, but we figured out what she meant. Not the clearest enunciator back then. Ah, uh, yes. You figured out what, quote, she meant. That is indeed the job of a child, of a a parent, I should say. Children say many things and often don't know what the words that they're using actually mean. They make claims that aren't true and that they don't know aren't true. They express desires that are not really their desires. They say things all the time that begin with, I want, and a parent has to say, no, you don't really want that. You think you do, but you don't. It's your job as a parent to use your maturity and wisdom to guide your child, lead them, not be led by them. Jesse heard his, quote, daughter, say that, quote, she wanted to be called Greece. Well, Jesse knew that Greece is a ridiculous name. Surely he can't actually want that name. And even if he does, it's for his own good that you guide him to a different name. Because he doesn't understand the significance of a name. He can't can't look ahead into the future and consider what it will be like to actually live with that name. That's why we give our kids their name, and even parents who let their children choose their names still don't really let them choose them. I mean, you'll notice that um, you very rarely hear uh, about a trans child who chooses their own name and is now referred to as Dragon Ninja or Giant Pirate or something like that. I think mean, it's odd, isn't it? <laughs> all these, all these, uh, all these young kids who choose their own names, quote unquote, they always end up with trendy sounding names. They never end up with the kind of name that you would expect a five-year-old to choose. Well, that's because even the parents who let kids choose their own name won't really let their children choose any name they want because we can't let them do that because of what, because of, because they don't understand what it means to have a name, but If you won't let the child choose any name they want, why would you let your children choose whatever gender they want? Why don't they, as Jesse said, try to figure out what a boy really means when he says he's a girl with a penis? Why don't these parents apply their superior wisdom and maturity to that situation and offer their children some much needed guidance? Well, because they see their children as political statements and fashion accessories. That's the truth. They don't see their kids as kids. They don't see their kids as human beings. Jesse was quite excited to talk about his trans daughter on his podcast, but he can't very well brag about a kid named Grease. No, he needs his son to be a girl named Grace. That's much more palatable to him. Jesse, that is. More useful to him. And this is all really about him, isn't it? Now let's get to our five headlines. Speaking of Twitter threads, I was just reading this other thread that people are talking about all the uh, you know the changes they m- have made during the the pandemic over the past year, uh, all the things that they've done to to try to get through it and everything. And I, I always read things like this: people talking about how different life has been. And, and, you know, for me, I I, I say, well, I I really haven't changed anything at all. I have gone about my normal life pretty much from day one. I mean, I've made only the changes that I've absolutely been forced to make. Um, But other than that, I've just lived my normal life this entire time. I've done almost all the same stuff during the pandemic that I did before it. So this is this is a, an experience that I just I just can't quite relate to, you know. And that's and this was it was it was if if you changed everything about your life for the past year, some of that not some of it out of your control. It also depends on where you live. But a lot of it was was probably voluntary and unnecessary. That's the reality. Okay, number one, uh, Derek Chauvin, Derek Chauvin trial. George Floyd's girlfriend took the stand yesterday, and. Testified had some some interesting things to reveal. Among them, she testified that Floyd had been rushed to the hospital for an overdose not long before his death, a couple months before. Uh, Here she is talking about that.
1: We went to the hospital a couple times in March. Okay. Um, He was hospitalized
2: for a more extended period of time in March, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. That's the incident
1: I'm talking about. Okay. I went to go pick Floyd up from his house. That night, um, I thought I was taking him to work. He wasn't feeling good. His stomach really hurt. He was doubled over in pain. Um, Just wasn't feeling well, and he said he had to go to the hospital, so I took him straight to the hospital. Um, We went to the ER, and um, they were checking him out in the ER, and um, it was getting late and I had to get home to my son. So I left that Friday night.
0: You later learned that that was uh, due to
1: an overdose. Yes.
0: OK, so he had an overdose a couple months before and we know that he died with fatal levels of fentanyl in his system. So, you know, I'm no lawyer, admittedly, but I am familiar with the phrase reasonable doubt. And uh, I do know that. Uh, a, a, a guilt has to be established beyond reasonable doubt, one of the basic facts of our legal system. Uh, it really depends on that. You know, that, that has to be the standard. Everything falls apart, everything collapses, if, if that's not the standard. So we just have to ask ourselves, um, based on on that, but but on the facts that we already knew even before that, like the fact that George Floyd died with fatal levels of fentanyl in his system, and um, and we know that from the medical examiner, we know that for some time. So, is there is there a reasonable doubt? Do we know? This is all we have. This is the only question we we should really have to ask. Do we know beyond any reasonable doubt that George Floyd died because he was choked to death by the officer and not because he overdosed? Do we know that beyond a reasonable doubt? I I honestly, I don't see how anyone could, could say that we do. I don't see how anyone, whether in that courtroom or out in the peanut gallery, could sit there and say, oh yeah, we know for sure, without any doubt, that although he died with fatal levels of fentanyl in his system, and although he had a history of overdosing, this was not an overdose death. We know that for sure, without any doubt. Really? How do you know that? See, the only thing you ever hear is, well, we saw the video. We, yeah, we, yes, we saw the video. Yeah. What we didn't see was what was going on inside his body. He we went into cardiac arrest. We didn't see what caused that. That's where you have to turn to the medical examiner, autopsy. You got to look at what substances were in his system. It's no matter how you feel, you could think that Derek Chauvin is a scumbag, is the worst guy in the world, but you could think any of that. But the justice system, our court system... It's supposed to come down to however you feel about the the accused. Has his guilt been established beyond any reasonable doubt whatsoever? And here I would say no. No. All right, number two from the Daily Wire. On Tuesday night, two young toddlers were dropped over a 14-foot-tall barrier into the United States at the New Mexico border before being rescued, according to the uh, officials. On Wednesday, U.S. Customs and Border Protection released a statement regarding the incident. Stating that it was a life threatening situation that involved two female tender aged toddlers mistreated and abandoned by human smugglers just west of uh, Mount Cristo Rey. Um, using filming technology, as, uh, a Santa Teresa agent reportedly saw a smuggler dropping two young children from the top of the appro- approximately 14 foot high border barrier on Tuesday night. The two smugglers quickly left the region after discarding the girls on the northern side of the border. And there's video of this. Uh, it's horrible video, but you can see them dragging these two little girls up the uh, up the fence and dropping them, lowering them down. They probably fell. I don't know. It wasn't 14 feet. They probably fell 10 feet or something. Uh, still, could have could have could have killed them. And then they're just left on the other side of the fence in, in the desert while the uh, smugglers run away. This is so if you're if you're very compassionate about illegal immigration and you want to invite anyone to come, you don't want to protect our border. You don't want to discourage illegal immigration by deporting people with your, with your great compassion. This is what your compassion gets. It gets this, it gets uh, little girls thrown over 14 high fences. You know, if they're not sexually abused on the way by these human smugglers which happens all the time extremely common that's what our that's what your compassion gets us now Jen Saki was pressed on this particular issue this incident and uh, she kind of tried to dodge around it get around it here's how that went on immigration has the White House considered beefing up border security now that there is video of a three-year-old and a five-year-old being thrown over the wall in new mexico
1: beefing up border security
0: well there are there's video now of a three-year-old and a five-year-old i've
1: I've seen the video and i think any of us who saw the video um were incredibly alarmed by uh the steps of smugglers ones that we have been quite familiar with that we've spoken out about our concerns about as secretary mayorka said the inhumane way smugglers abuse children while profiting off parents desperation is criminal and morally reprehensible. The president certainly agrees with that. And these kids, I believe, were rescued from by uh, by um, individuals who are working at the border.
0: Yes, but they still got close enough, as you guys are talking about addressing root causes in the region, for a smuggler to throw them over a wall into the desert. And I'm just curious what. The White House is doing to stop that from happening.
1: And are you concerned more about the kids' safety, or are you concerned about kids getting in? Or tell me more about your concern here.
0: Kids' safety is, as you just mentioned, the main concern.
1: Well, of course it is, which is why I'm often surprised by some of the line of questioning here. But uh, I will say that um, our concern and our focus is on sending a clear message to smuggler to the region that uh, this is not the time to come.
0: Oh, the message is it's not... Well, yeah, you, you got a funny way of sending that message. The only way to send that message is is to enforce the border, force our laws, deport people when they come here. Um, that's the only way to send them. There's no other way to do it. You make it clear that trying to sneak across the border is not going to work out well for you. It's not going to work out well for your kids. It's a wasted effort. You might die along the way or get injured or, or, or raped along the way. And... Um, and and all for for nothing. Like that has to be the message for the good of the people who are making this attempt. And I mean, I've, I've always said when it comes to illegal immigration, you know, I I don't I don't have anything personally against people who try to sneak across the border. I get it. If I lived in Mexico, um I, I would try to come here too. And if it seemed like the easiest and quickest way was to just if if I thought that I could sneak across and like I or I, could, I could sneak across with my kids and Find a better life um, out of Mexico. If I thought I could do it, especially because there's a Democrat in office, then yeah, I, I'd do it. I mean, what do what do I care? I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, unless you force me to, I'm not gonna respect the laws of this country that I'm not even a part of yet. And even if I do respect those laws, I'm probably gonna put my kids and my family's well being above the law. So I understand why people do it. So for me, it's nothing personal. You still have to enforce the border, enforce the law, and deport people when they come here. Nothing personal. But we need to have a border to have a country. We need to have laws to have a country. And also for the sake of the people themselves who get themselves killed, injured, um, uh, uh, try, trying to sneak over here. It's uh, it's That is the most compassionate, most humane I like that word better for, for this. It's, it, that's the most humane way to handle that is to, is to enforce a law. Uh, number three, Representative Park Cannon in Georgia was arrested during the signing of the voter ID law down in Georgia because she was, um, she, was, she was banging on the governor's door trying to interfere with the signing of the bill. And even if you're a lawmaker, you still can't do that. In fact, she, she really, she was committing an insurrection. According to the new rules, this is a a dangerous insurrectionist trying to interfere with the democratic process, trying to stop uh, a law from being passed, trying to stop the the democratic process from happening. She was warned that she had to stop and go away, and she didn't. She was told, if you don't stop, you're going to be arrested. She kept going, so they arrested her. And of course, this now makes her a martyr for the cause of racial justice. And here she is on MSNBC with Joy Reid talking about her newfound martyrdom.
2: Are you surprised I guess is my question, that the state would pursue
0: a prosecution of a black woman, that police would arrest and detain a black woman, given that that's the optic now, that a black woman is being punished for trying to witness the signing of a law that restricts black voters.
2: I am not at all surprised that this is what is happening in 2021 in America. This is America. America. And we have to remain steadfast in protecting the right to vote. That's why when the late Congressman John Lewis took my hand, marched with me to the Fulton County Government Center and voted with me in 2016 and helped me understand why that was so important. I'll never forget it. But unfortunately today, the only thing etched in my mind are two things. Why were they arresting me? Why were they doing that? And the photo of six all-white men under a photo of a plantation taking away black and brown voters' rights, as well as all voters' rights. This is America, and we have to keep on knocking.
0: Such nonsense. Such A a blatant fraud. She's She's not even trying. Not even trying to come across as remotely authentic. First of all, you could tell she rehearsed everything she just said. It was like she sounded like she was giving a speech, like she was reading off of cue cards, which maybe she was. They signed a law taking away the rights of black and brown Americans to vote. What? No, they didn't. That's not what happened. Nothing you just heard there is at all true. There was, there was not one moment, not one glimmer of truth in what you just heard there. Totally false. And that's not going to be fa- MSNBC airs it, of course. You think, um, you think Facebook or Twitter is going to take down that video for misinformation about voting? What you heard there is a conspiracy theory far more delusional and on its face dishonest than anything you heard, from even you know this this is like Sidney Powell level, but worse really. A law taking away the the rights of black so that's what they did they 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 passed a law saying black people can't vote. Well, okay, show me the language. If you could show me that language in that bill, I will be right along with you. Um, in 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 protesting it, but it's not in there. There is nothing in there that says black people can't vote. There is nothing in there that would stop black people from voting. Nothing at all. There's nothing in there that would affect black people more than it would affect white people. You could still vote in Georgia. If you're legally eligible, which all that means is you're, you're the right age. So if you're the right age or over, uh, you can vote in Georgia, and it's not, you're not going to have any trouble doing it. It's going to be perfectly fine. If you really want to do it, it'll be no problem at all. If you need to make any preparations to vote, well, you got two years until the midterms. You got, you got three, four years until the presidential. You got a lot of time. You need to hire some babysitters or whatever to take care. You, you got a lot of time to plan for it. You'll be perfectly fine. But I love the question from Joy Reid. She says, are you surprised? That they would arrest a black woman? That they would arrest a black woman in this environment? I thought black women were above the law. She really thinks that. She's shocked. You, you mean to tell me they're still arresting black women? Well, yeah, if you're breaking the law, yes. Trying to interfere with the signing of the bill? You were told to leave? You're trespassing? You're breaking the law. I can't believe that they would arrest me. Why did they arrest me? Why? Um, Well, because you're breaking the law, you're trespassing, and they told you to stop and you didn't. So that's why they arrested you, you entitled, spoiled, ridiculous, lying brat. My God. Not even trying, not even trying to be credible or to seem credible. All right. um, Number four, I I don't know if you're ready to see this. This is straight out of uh, your dystopian nightmares, but I got to play it for you. Uh, Pretty terrifying, it really is creepy. But no more intro needed, here it is.
2: If you wanna get back to your favorite places and feel confident they have put your health and safety first.
0: Look Look for the Well Health Safety Seal.
2: Look for the Well Health Safety Seal.
0: Look for the Well Health Safety Seal. I'm Dr. Richard Carmona, the 17th Surgeon General of the United States of America. This is the Well Health Safety Seal from the International Well Building Institute, the global authority, unhealthy buildings. The Well Health Safety Rating was informed by years of research and input from hundreds of
2: leading virologists, public health experts, epidemiologists, and building professionals around the world. You'll see it at schools, offices, banks, child care centers, all the places we go. The Well Health Safety Seal means that we'll feel better going into restaurants, theaters, stores, hotels, stadiums,
0: and all the places that we love. Everything may look the same, but the Well Health Safety Seal means that your health and safety are top of mind when it comes to cleaning and sanitizing procedures,
2: air and water quality management,
0: emergency preparedness programs, and health services.
2: So look for the Well Health Safety Seal outside and feel more confident going inside. Learn more about the Well Health Safety Rating at wellhealthsafety.com.
0: Yeah, I said that that's something out of like a dystopian something out of a dystopian film. It's it's also actually it reminds me more of something out of a Martin Scorsese movie. It's it's this is like mob. This is something that the mafia would do. You know. You because th- this is all a racket now, right, obviously. The the, the, the potential for extortion here of 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 companies uh, is very clear. It's, we don't know based on that. Like, what does a company or business have to do to get the well health safety seal? But we can we can bet one thing is going to cost them money. There, there's going to be fees. There's going to be all kinds of red tape. All kinds. There's going to be a whole bureaucracy in place to make sure that you can get that well health safety seal. Now we sure we we sure hate it if uh, if people stop coming to your business because it doesn't have the safety seal. We sure would hate. We sure would hate it if your if your business if, you, if it is isn't safe because you don't have that safety seal. We 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 want to protect you and make sure that your business has the safety seal. All you got to do is pay you know ten thousand dollars in fees and do this and that and, uh, and 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 we'll make sure that you have it. I mean, we we know obviously that's where this goes. Especially because when they explain what the safety seal actually means, it's Okay so it means that they that they that they clean the place. Okay? We already have the health department. We already we already we already have laws and policies for that. And by the way, if you walk into a place and it's not very clean, you, it's pretty obvious as soon as you walk in. You you can tell. We've all been in restaurants and buildings, you know, that are not particularly clean. We've all been in, in you know highway rest stops and so on. But that's, that's what this is, of course, about. It's about, it's about creating a whole new bureaucracy uh, to extort businesses so that they can get the well-health safety seal, which isn't going to mean that they're any safer than any other building. It's just going to mean that they've jumped through the hoops and paid the fees and everything else. All right. Um, okay, I wanted to play this. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene Posted her workout routine on Twitter. Now, um, a couple of things I'll, I'll say here. First of all, uh, I don't have any issue with, with MTG personally. And also, I think there's no doubt that she is in better shape than probably almost everyone else in Congress, the men included. However, you know, let's play the video here. I just had this to me. Now, I know this is a CrossFit thing. What she's doing right here, really bad for the knees. I mean, you're asking to, to blow your knees out and your back. But here, watch this. What kind of pull-ups are those? It's like a fish flopping around. Like a fish that falls off the hook, flopping around on, the, on the, the deck of the boat. That is not how you do a pull-up. Now, this became a conversation yesterday on social media. And all the CrossFit people were coming out and saying, no, that's, 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 those are real pull-ups. That's how we do. That's called Kipping that's a real no that's not a real pull-up a real pull correct form on a pull-up is you're the only thing that should really be moving on you are your arms you're going up and down you bring the chin above the bar you come back down you want your rest of the, the rest of your body to be as still as possible because it's all supposed to be in your upper body that's what you're working out when you're flopping around like that you're not there's there's not as much resistance because you're it's all based on momentum now and you're not getting the upper arm workout that you're supposed to be getting that offends me. Few things offend me more than than poor form, at the gym. If you're almost with any workout, with any with any um, resistance based workout, if you're if you're swinging your whole body around and doing all that, uh, then you're not getting the workout. I see guys like this, doing dumbbell curls, you know, over by the dumbbell station, and they're just swinging their whole. They're like back and forth, bringing the thing up. No, keep the body still. Still, as I said. I, I, there may be like two or three people in Congress, men and women who can do even one pull-up. So it's, she's better off than them, but that's not, that's not correct for her. All right. We're going to move on to reading the YouTube comments. Uh, this is from Toby says, Hey Matt, it was funny watching you talk about white boy summer asking, what is it? It's actually a reference derived from the term hot girl summer where, where women hype themselves up to have a wild slash fun summer. Also, hot dad summer is a great idea. However, any dad caught wearing skinny jeans should be canceled on the spot. No, it's not hot dad summer. Um, it's white dad summer. It's, this is not about. There's, we're not we're not putting pressure. Okay, it's that's, it's it's like the opposite of that, really. Because you're you're a dad. That's the point. You don't have to worry about what you look like. You've given up on that. That's why you're in the cargo shorts. Cargo shorts. It's not it's not for it's it's not about style. It's not about what you look like. It's all about utility. Um, DJ says, Walsh, you finally got a Wikipedia page. I just checked April fools. He, 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 but you know, you're getting banned from the show for that one because I, I really did fall for that. And I was actually excited that I finally got the Wikipedia page that I am entitled to and deserve you bastard. Um, April says being a massage therapist myself, I would find that very, I would find that very suspicious. Also that, speaking of Deshaun Watson, um, he's been accused by like 20 massage therapists of committing sexual assault. She says, being a massage therapist myself, I would find that very suspicious. Also that he needed 40 massage therapists. I would understand a handful, but any more than that, and he's not seeing them because of the massage. It's something else. Yeah, you know, it's it's also a little bit hard for me to judge because I have to, and I, and I say this is no offense to you whatsoever, but um, the whole... Going to someone to get a massage to me seems weird already. Like I don't want. There is no circumstance where I would ever want to lay down and have some stranger come and massage me. That sounds like a nightmare. As someone who values my personal space, that is a nightmare. I, I do not understand how people do this as a leisurely activity. I'm excited. I get to go have a massage day. That that is that's my hell. To have my personal space invaded that way by a stranger. So to me, to even having one massage therapist is a little weird. That's where I'm coming from. Um, but yes, to have 40 different ones, as Dasar Watson apparently did. yeah, That tells you something's off. Uh, Carl says, I have an all-access membership, but still watch the show on YouTube. Comment and like it to feed the algorithm. Well, thank you again for your service. You're, you are performing a great service, not just for this show, but for all mankind, I would say device says i love how matt is not a batologist that moment of silence after he makes a point just drives the truth even further his deadpan stare and tone is infinitely hilarious and effective you can't come here dropping words like batologist b-a-t-t-o-l-o-g-i-s-t you can't drop a word like that in conversation without explaining what it means what is that someone who studies bats i looked it up and apparently a batologist is someone who speaks idly one who needlessly repeats the same thing in speaking or writing. So I'm not that, you're saying. Well, thank you, but you're banned from the show for using the word pathologist rather than just saying what you meant to begin with. Finally, I remember when my, uh, the different comment, I remember when my oldest son was starting to catch on to the tooth fairy lie. I dressed up as the tooth fairy, wings and tiara. Uh, it took me quite a while to get all dolled up. I squeezed into my, to one of my old prom dresses and went all out. The next day, my son told me that he did indeed see the tooth fairy and quote, she's really pretty. Made me feel awesome. And the person who left this comment is named Bill. Uh, That's a little weird. Actually, that was Trisha. Well, Trisha, you you went to greater lengths to deceive your child than even my wife did on this point. And I guess, well done? I don't know. You know, as conservatives, I think one thing we all pretend to agree agree on anyway is that we all love the constitution, but but have we actually taken the time to study it and do we stand ready to defend it? That's the question we have to ask ourselves. Well, my friends over at constitutioncoach.com, they have many great programs for equipping citizens to defend liberty by studying and living out the constitution. Uh, I have, as I've been telling you about for the last couple of weeks, I've experienced the constitutional defense course myself. Uh, I'm very glad that I did so that I can uh, so that I can really mean it and, uh, and when I tell you that uh, you should do this yourself. I don't regret doing it one bit. Couldn't be happier that I went through the experience. You will also feel the same way. You can get an amazing combination of intellectual ammunition and live classes with Rick Green, America's Constitution Coach. You also get the physical training at the premier firearms training facility in the nation. And you gotta see this place, by the way, very impressive. You get it all in the same course. You get to join hundreds of other patriots from across the nation for a time of learning, training, and fellowship with like-minded people. Whether you've shotguns your whole life or if you're just a beginner, you're somewhere in between. Whatever it is, I'm telling you, these people took me to a new level a new skill level that uh, I didn't think was possible in such a short amount of time. They can do the same for you. Don't just get a gun. Learn how to carry with confidence and get the training you need to defend your family. Go to constitutioncoach.com. Rick and the Constitution Coach team have another class on April 25th, but it's going to fill up fast. So visit constitutioncoach.com today and watch my video there to find out more about how you can be a part of this one-of-a-kind training. Constitutioncoach.com. As you have no doubt heard, Candace joined the Daily Wire a few weeks ago with the premiere of her new talk show, Candace. The show streams on dailywire.com. Fridays at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central. But you'd also get the audio podcast, Candace, on Apple, uh, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Candace hosts a series of guests on the show each week, making for lively panel discussions and insightful interviews, um, and featured on the show this week, this Friday, if you listen, will be none other than um, your favorite Daily Wire host, which would, be, which would be me, of course. I'm on the show, um, and uh, it's, it's, it's a great show in general. If you can't attend the show in person, you can still tweet your questions to The Candace Show for a chance to have Candace answer your question at the end of the show. So if you need some Candace Owens in your podcast feed, look no further, head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and subscribe today. Be sure to leave a five-star review if you like what you hear, and uh, make sure of course to subscribe as well with code Candace. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. We talked a little this week about. And we just talked again in the comments about the various myth mythical creatures who visit our homes, or so we claim. Uh, and I've told you about my daughter's attempts to disprove the fairy, the fairy, uh, the tooth fairy. Uh, attempts that, while quite brilliant, have been subverted by the increasingly desperate efforts to keep the deception going. Why must we keep the deception going? I don't know. Ask my wife. But I thought, since we're on the subject, and Easter is nearly upon us, now's a good time as good a time as any to talk about the Easter Bunny. Uh, And, of course, to cancel him. As far as I can tell, the Easter Bunny serves only one real function. He is a sort of early IQ test for your child. If your child by first grade is not asking skeptical questions about this giant mutant bunny that allegedly sneaks into his home and hides candy, then he's probably on the slower side. No offense. Now, the same doesn't really apply to Santa. From a child's perspective, Santa is plausible. He has a backstory, we know his origin, we know where he lives, we know how he gets around. His method of transportation is a bit unorthodox, admittedly, but at least we know what it is. Also, you see Santa out in public all the time, at the mall, on TV. Maybe you see a fat, bearded guy on a park bench in the summer and assume that Santa is on vacation. There are songs about Santa, he's ubiquitous. And a child looks at all that and thinks to himself, well, surely this can't all be one big lie. Well... That's a conversation for another time. The Easter Bunny is a different deal. He is rather, shall we say, half-assed. He is a half-assed fable. We've never come to any agreement as a society about what he is exactly, where he comes from, what he's doing, how he gets around. Every kid is told a different thing. I had a friend when I was little who thought and was told that the Easter Bunny was a magical man in a bunny suit who came in through the window at night to hide toys. That is the stuff of nightmares. Though the idea of an actual six-foot-tall rabbit isn't much more comforting. My four-year-old was uh, was recently interrogating me on this very subject. Um, now, the kid thinks that, you know, when he sees me on TV, I am literally inside the physical TV. And yet, even he, at his age, is already raising his eyebrows a little bit over this Easter bunny thing. So he came to me and he said, uh, he said, Daddy, uh, can the Easter bunny talk? Uh... Yes, where, where does he live? Um, I guess underground. So he lives in a cave. Yes, the Easter Bunny is a giant, hairy, bucktooth mammalian monster who crawls out of his out of, out of a cave and breaks into our house. Okay, now go to sleep. Night, night. Sleep well. There, now there are some real stalker vibes to Santa. Also, we we can't deny that, but. The Easter Bunny is terrifying on an entirely different level—the mystery and ambiguity surrounding him, and the way that adults are so reluctant to discuss him. The fact that we don't sing songs about him—all of this seems to lead to the conclusion: either that the Easter Bunny is an evil spirit that rose from the shadow land because somebody like built a parking lot over top of an Indian burial ground or something, or that the Easter Bunny isn't real. And that was my own thought process when I was when I was young. Um, which is why even as a slow child, myself, who grew into a slow adult, I still had the bunny figured out before my parents broke the news officially. And this made it easier for my dad when the time came for the talk. It also gave him the chance to easily kill two holiday birds with one stone. And the conversation went like this. This I remember it vividly, verbatim, it went like this. My dad said, uh, Matt, I have to talk to you, uh, tell you something about the Easter bunny. And I said, uh, he isn't real, right? Yes, that's what I was going to tell you. So, Santa, yeah, same, not real. Okay, that's verbatim how it went. That's how I learned the whole truth of everything. Now, as you could tell, I have been an emotionalist psychopath from a young age. But in any case, the point is, the Easter Bunny is a bridge too far. And to top it all off, along with being creepy and bizarre, the dude is a cheapskate. Santa comes with bags of presents. The Easter Bunny gives you, like, a marshmallow and a matchbox car. Granted, Santa has the benefit of slave labor to make all of his toys, but that's no excuse for the Easter Bunny. I mean, you're telling me he can't enslave a bunch of like magical chipmunks or something to help him out? I don't know. He's lazy is the problem and horrifying and useless. He drags down the whole squad of holiday themed fictional characters. He's the weak link in the chain. He doesn't deserve to shine Santa's boots, let alone stand on his level. And that is why the Easter Bunny is once and for all canceled just in time for Easter. I'm glad that we could have this very important, crucial conversation as we head into the Easter holiday, which I hope you enjoy and have a happy Easter and a blessed Easter. And I will talk to you next week. Have a great day. Godspeed. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you wanna help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Also tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Walsh Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Production manager, Pavel Vadosky. The show is edited by Sasha Tolmachov. Our audio is mixed by Mike Koromina. Hair makeup is done by Nika Geneva.